Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Hi, how many of you, these questions have helped you a little bit in your walk with the Lord? All right, that's a few of you. You kind of hurt my feelings. Come on, how many of you? All right, all right. It's helped you. It's helped me as we've been talking about some of these questions that we have. In fact, really the whole kind of reason for this series is that I know that there are some people who would step across the line and truly trust God with their lives if it wasn't for some of the doubts, some of the questions that you have about God. And so this series has just been our attempt to help you get over some of those doubts and get past some of those things so you can step across the line. Some of you surrendering your life to the Christ for the first time. Others of you just really come into that place of learning how to trust God, even in the areas where we don't understand and in the areas where we really don't know what's going on. In fact, we've dealt with some pretty major questions in this series. I would challenge you, if you have missed a week of this series, go back and and check out the podcast. Listen to every week because I think it will help you. You might even want to share it with some of your friends because I think we've dealt with some pretty major issues. Like we dealt with the first question is why? Why didn't God answer my prayer? And we've all kind of been there before when we prayed and we thought, man, God's going to answer and he didn't answer or our friends got their prayers answered and ours didn't get answered. And we wonder where is God in all of that? We dealt with that a little bit in the first week. And then the second week we dealt with the whole idea of why don't I always feel God? And I know some of you, man, that's a big thing for you because your friends say, man, didn't you feel the presence of God? Or the pastor says, oh, you know, God is here. And you're like, I didn't feel him. And if I didn't feel him, he must not be real or what's going on. Something wrong with him. Something wrong with me. What's the deal? And so we talked about that. Then last week, I'm telling you, what we talked about last week turned out to be an incredibly timely message. Because, I mean, not even 24 hours after the message, uh, a major tragedy happened in our world. As you saw what happened in Las Vegas, and you saw the shooting, and what a tragic thing. And many of many people, many Christians, many people in this world, even this week, are thinking, where was God in all of that? And last week, we dealt with that a little bit about why does God allow bad things to happen in this world? If he's a good God, then why would he allow bad stuff to happen? And I'm telling you, if you have been if you have been touched by the tragedy that happened this last week, I would encourage you go back, listen to the podcast, listen to it again, share it with your friends who are struggling with that. Because I believe we dealt with some of those things. Because how many know God is a good God, even though we live in a bad world? Come on, right? And we dealt with that a little bit. Now, today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to deal with, I would say, probably one of the biggest questions that people deal with and have been dealing with from the very beginning of time. In fact, I've thought it before. Many of you have probably struggled with this idea before. And that is this, why am I here? In fact, everybody just say, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I on this planet? Is there a purpose in life? Does God have a purpose for my life? Is there any meaning? Is there any reason? Why in the world am I on this planet? And here's what we have to admit. This is a big question that affects all of us. In fact, this question really affects every other area of our lives. Because if we get this question right, like if we really do believe in our heart that there is a greater purpose and meaning of life and that God has a purpose for me that I can even know what that purpose is, then every other area of my life seems to line up to have purpose as well. Like if I truly believe that God has a purpose for my life and there's a meaning beyond myself, then every day I can live with purpose. Even the the menial task, even the stuff that happens that doesn't seem to have purpose, 
even the pain and the struggle and the sorrow and the difficulties of life can all have some sort of greater purpose if I know that God has a greater purpose for my life. But if I don't know that God has a purpose for my life, if I don't know what that purpose is, or even worse, if I start to kind of believe maybe there's not really a greater purpose in this life, then how many know it affects everything as well? Then all of a sudden, all the menial stuff in life, all of a sudden, all the day-to-day stuff to life, all of a sudden, all the pain and the sorrow and the struggles and the stuff that we see that's bad that happens in this life, all of a sudden, that stuff seems to be meaningless and purposeless as well. So this is a big question. In fact, here's the deal. It kind of reminds me of football. Now, how's that for a transition right there? <laughs> How many football fans do we have in the house today? Come on, all over the room. I've seen a few, I've seen a few jerseys uh, coming in today. How many Dallas Cowboy fans we got all over the place today? A few Dallas Cowboy fans. How many uh, TCU fans we got in the house? Come on, TCU fans had a big win yesterday. Come on, right? That's good. How many, uh, how many uh, A&M fans do we have here in the house today? Like two. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> couple Aggies here on the front row. How many, how many Longhorns fans do we have in the house? I got to tell you, I was all set up today. I had a great Longhorns joke I was going to tell and whatever. And then my, my team, the Sooners, got beat yesterday and the Longhorns won yesterday. And like, I, I'm like, I can't tell the joke, but I'm going to tell it anyway because I'm, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. How many know the safest place to be in the middle of a tornado? Right in Longhorn Stadium, because there's very little chance of a touchdown. Come on, right? And I know I'm going to hear it from all the Longhorns fans later. And, and here's the thing. We all love football. We get excited about football in the fall. And here's why I think that football is so important to so many of us. Here's the reason I think that, that it's such a popular sport is because there's, there's a very clear goal. I mean, with, with as complicated as football is, and it's pretty complicated with all the schemes and all the kind of stuff, but yet with all the complication and all the confusion and stuff, really it's very clear what you're trying to do. What's the goal? What's the purpose of football? It's to win. Okay, that's a, I get that. But how do you win? What's the purpose? The purpose is to get the, the ball and get it across the goal line, right? And with all the complications of football, you know what the purpose is. It's easily defined when you score. You know that's what you're supposed to do. And I think that's why football is so popular in our culture today. Because the truth is, life is pretty complicated. Isn't it? And so many times in life, here's what we do. We don't know what the goal is. We don't know, we don't know what the goal line. We don't know what the purpose is. And so because we don't know what the, what the goal line is or the purpose of life, here's what we tend to do. I don't know what the purpose of life is, so I'll just make one up. Isn't that kind of what we do? Like, I'm not really sure why I'm on this planet, so I'll just kind of do why I think I'm on this planet. And it's whatever it is for you. I mean, for some people, they think, well, I don't really know what God's purpose is for me, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to live my life for my purpose, and my purpose is to become successful. And so we spend our lives, and man, we we give all of our time and all of our energy and all of our effort into being successful. If I could cross that goal line, then then I will be fulfilled, and I will find meaning, and I will find purpose in my life. And here's what happens. We work so hard towards it, but then one day we get some success in life, and we look at our lives, and we we realize that that didn't really do it for me. In fact, there are a lot of people that spend their lives trying to cross that goal line, and then they cross that goal line and realize that that wasn't really the right goal. It's kind of like the guy who works all of his life to climb that ladder of success to one day get to the top of the ladder and realize that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. 
And isn't this how a lot of people live? And maybe it's, maybe it's for you, it's success. Maybe for some, it's if I get more money. Maybe for some, it's, if, hey, if I could just be more, if I could have more pleasure in my life, take more vacations, or maybe if I could have more friends, or I could be more popular, or whatever it is for you. But so many times, here's what we do. We spend our life shooting towards, aiming towards a target that is the wrong target. And we hit the bullseye, and then we realize that really didn't bring meaning or purpose to my life. It's the wrong target. Kind of reminds me of this guy, a story I heard. It's a true story of the 2004 Olympics. There was a guy named Matthew Ennis. And Matthew Ennis was a sharpshooter in the Olympics. And, and Matthew was, was, was so good at what he was doing that by the time they got to the final round of, of the sharpshooting contest, all he had to do was just hit the target somewhere. It didn't have to be a bullseye. It didn't have, he just had to hit somewhere on the target and he would win the gold medal. So when it came his turn, he took his, he took his gun and he lined up his sights and he aimed it right towards the bullseye and he pulled the trigger and the, and the bullet hit right in the smack center of the bullseye. There was one problem. The problem was he got confused and he aimed his gun at the wrong target. He hit the bullseye, but it was the wrong bullseye. And because of that, he dropped from first place gold medal into the, in the Olympics down to eighth place. And here's the deal. Is this, isn't this the way so many people live their lives? Like we don't know what the target is. And so we just line up our gun and we aim at a target somewhere that we think is the right target. And even if we hit it, it doesn't truly bring fulfillment and peace and meaning to our lives because we're aiming at wrong targets. In fact, it reminds me of this guy in the Old Testament. We've studied him quite a bit. And back in August, we did a whole series on some of his writings in the book of Ecclesiastes. This guy named Solomon. And, and if anybody if anybody was winning, like hashtag winning in life, it was this guy, Solomon. Because Solomon had a kingdom that the Bible says that no, no man could match his kingdom. That since and, and, and after time, no one will ever have a kingdom like Solomon. He had all the things that you could ever want in life. And yet, he, he surveyed his life and he saw that... Man, and there, there, was, there was not as much to it as he thought. In fact, this is what he says in Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 1. He says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that all proved to be what? Everybody say this word, to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided with wisdom and I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water the groves of flourishing trees. I I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flock than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers, a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all of my wisdom, it stayed with me. I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, for nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon said, 
I had everything. I shot at every target that you could possibly shoot at. And I hit the bullseye on every single one. I had pleasures. I had wine. I had food. I had luxury. I had riches. I was the richest kingdom in all of the world. I had success. I built houses and I had vineyards and I had more than anyone ever had. I was wise and I was the wisest man who ever lived. I had houses and nice things. I had relationships. I had multiple wives. Not sure that was really wise, but I had all of these things. And yet none of it measured up. It all was meaningless. And isn't this how so many people live their life? We have no idea what the real purpose of life is. And so we shoot for what we think is the purpose of life. And even when we get it, it doesn't bring fulfillment. There's no meaning. There's no purpose behind it because we've been shooting at the wrong targets. So you say, well, pastor, okay, I know that. That's why I'm here today. Can you tell me how? Like, how do I know the purpose of life? Well, I want to just share with you three things here today. If you're taking notes, write them down. The first one is this. If you want to know the purpose of your life, here's what you got to do. You got to start at the beginning. So everybody look at your neighbor. Just tell them, start at the beginning. You got to start at the beginning. And what is at the beginning? At the beginning is God. In fact, here's what the scripture says in John. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? The Word was God. At the beginning is God Himself. And so here's what we have to understand. It all starts with God. It all starts with Him. If you want to know the purpose of life, you've got to start by looking to God. If you want to know the meaning of life, here's what you've got to do. You've got to look to the Maker of life. He's the one who made you. He's the one who formed you. He's the one who put you on this planet. And if you want to know why you are here, here's what you have to do. You've got to ask Him. You've got to, you've got to start with Him. In fact, this is what the Scripture says in Colossians 1 and verse 16. I love the way it reads in the message. It says, We look at His Son and see God's what? Original purpose in everything He created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible, invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything did what? Got started in him and finds its purpose in him. If you want to know what your purpose is, here's where you find it. You find it in him. Because see, here's the deal. I got news for you. Ready for this, guys? It ain't about you. Look at your neighbors. Tell them it ain't about you. Look at your other neighbor, your second choice. Tell them it ain't about you either. It ain't about you. Guess who it's about? It's about him. If you want to know your purpose, see, here's what you got to do. You got to change the question that you're asking. Most of us, here's the question we ask. What is my purpose? But here's the deal, guys. That's the wrong question. You know what the real question should be? What is God's purpose? Not what do I want to do with my life? What is my purpose? No, no, no. What does God want me to do with my life? And until you get the question right, you're going to get the wrong answer every time. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to wander around aimlessly, shooting at targets, maybe even hitting the bullseye, but none of them bringing meaning or purpose to your life because what you were thinking more about, the question you were asking is, what is my purpose? And you've got to change the question. You've got to start saying, no, 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 not what is my purpose. What is God's purpose? What does He want me to do? What is it that He has for me? And until you surrender yourself fully to that, you're never going to find true meaning and purpose in your life. It all starts with Him. you got to start at the beginning. In fact, the Scripture says it like this. Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is what? It is the Lord's purposes that prevail. 
See, we have in our mind the things that we think are going to bring meaning and fulfillment and purpose to life, but all of those things are going to fade away. In the end, it's the Lord's purpose that really matters, and so we got to come to a place where we start at the beginning, and we say, God, what is your purpose for me? And God, I have surrendered my life completely to living for not my purpose, but to living for your purpose. In fact, in Colossians 10, 13, in the Living Bible, it says our goal is to measure up to what? To God's plan. Guess what? Here's the goal, guys. Here's the purpose of life. Not to measure up to your plan or to what you want or to what, what will make you happy or comfortable or feel good. or No, no, no. The goal of life is to find out what is God's plan and to surrender myself to his plan, which he gave us in his word, and to live our lives according to that. That's where it starts. You got to start at the beginning. Everybody say start at the beginning. Number two, here's what you got to do. You got to see the ending. Now, it starts at the beginning, but in order to really in order to really understand it, here's what you have to do. You got to you got to go to the end and then and then look back. In fact, how many of you have ever have ever thought about what your funeral is going to be like? Ever thought about it? a couple of hands raised? Some of you go, I don't want to think about that, right? But maybe you should. Like, maybe you should live your life in this way that you, that you would think about, what do I want people to say about me at my funeral? Like, what will it be that I lived for? What will be the values that I lived for? What, were, what will people say, this was the priority of his life? This was the center of his life? This is, what, this is what he or she lived for. In fact, I'll tell you one of the goals of my life is I want to live my life in such a way that the, funeral, that the pastor doesn't have to lie at my funeral. Right, because you know what I'm talking about, right? You've all been to those funerals before. Preacher gets up, starts talking about talking about the person in the box, and you're going, "Wait a second, am I at the wrong funeral?" Because that doesn't sound anything like the Uncle Joe I know, right? <laughs> and maybe we ought to think about our lives and think about, "Hey, what do I want my life to stand for? What do I want people to say at the end of my life that I gave my life for?" In fact, it reminds me of this story. I heard it when I was a teenager. And yet it has impacted me in such a way that here I am, years later, it still impacts my life. It's about a guy named David Livingston. Some of you may have heard of him before. David Livingston lived in the 1800s, and he was a missionary. In fact, he was one of the first missionaries from England to Africa. He was one of the first missionaries to ever go to Africa and tell people about Jesus. And I'm telling you, God was using this guy in in huge ways, in, in 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 a place that was hostile. I mean, you can think about these tribes where you could go there and go against the things that they believe you could die for it. And here he goes into these tribes telling them about Jesus and God is using them in such great ways that entire tribes are coming to know Jesus. And yet it wasn't without sacrifice. Like as he gave his life to the people of Africa, man, he was, he was struck with disease. His wife was struck, struck with disease. In fact, to one point where his wife got a disease that there, there were no doctors in Africa to help with the disease. And so they had to get on a ship and they had to go back to England. And so there she is in the hospital. She's struggling to try to recover from this disease. And David, he loves his wife. He's trying to be there for his wife, but his heart is so much for the people of Africa. It's what God has called him to do to the point where as his wife is struggling in the hospital, like David Livingston, staying up all night, pacing the floors, praying for the people of Africa to finally his wife is like, I know you love me and I know you want to be here, but I know your heart is for those people in Africa. You got to go back. And he says, but I can't go back. I got to be here with you until the point where she finally says, I'll go with you. I know there's no doctors for me, but I'll go with you. So they get on a ship and they go back, they go back to Africa. And when they get back to Africa, she dies of the disease. David stays in Africa. In fact, he gives the rest of his life 
to the people of Africa. He becomes, he becomes really famous for how God is using him to the point where the Queen of England actually calls for him and says, come back to England. If you'll come back to England, I'll make you, I'll make you a knight in my, in my court and, and whatever. And he said, I can't go back because all I care about is what God has called me, my purpose here for the people of Africa to the point where in his old age, one night he he calls for some of the tribesmen to set him up in his tent so that he can pray, because that's all he did. He prayed for the people of Africa. And while he was praying, he died. And when the people of England, the queen, found out that he had died, they, she sent for people to bring his body back to England. She was going to bury him in the royal cemetery. And so the tribesmen took, took David's body, and they carried it miles and miles and miles, days worth of travel from where they were to the coast so they could put him on a ship to be sent back to England. And right before they put his body on the ship, the tribesmen took out a knife and he plunged the knife into David Livingston's chest. And the people from England are going, what are you doing? This is David Livingston. Don't you know he's a knight? He's going to be buried in the Queen's, in the Queen's cemetery. What, what are you doing? And the tribesmen looked at the person from England and said, David's living, David Livingston's body may belong to England, but his heart belongs to Africa. And I, I, re- I re- think about that story and I think, what about my life? Like at the end of my life, what will people say that I lived for? Well, they say that my heart belonged inside of me because I lived for my purpose and what I could gain and my pleasure and my success and all of those things. Or will they say, no, 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 here's a guy who lived for a purpose greater than himself. Here's a guy who lived for God's purposes here on this planet. If you want to know what your purpose is, here's the exercise you do. You start at the beginning. It all starts with God. You surrender yourself to him. You think about the ending. What do I want my life to have stood for? Number three, write this one down. Here's what you do. You got to stay focused. Everybody say, stay focused. You got to stay focused on eternity. See, here's the deal, guys, is that you were created for more than just this life. You were created for, for an eternity. You, you were created to last forever. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11, it says he planted eternity into the hearts of man. That guess what, guys? You're, there's more to it than just what you know here on this earth. And here's the thing. When you understand that, you know what it does? It brings purpose to everything. Because I'm telling you, if, if all there was was just this life, you live and then you die and then you're buried and it's over, there would be no purpose. All the pain and all the struggle and all the stuff that that you go through, that would mean, it'd be meaningless because man, I go through all that stuff and then when I die, it's just over. But when I realize that there's more to it than that, that, that I live this life, but then I die and then there's another life. There's an eternity that's awaiting me. And so even the struggle and the pain and the problems and the stuff that I face in this life, even when bad stuff happens, like we talked about last week and we saw happen this week, all of that can even have purpose in my life because I know there's more to it than just the here and now in this world. There is an eternity that God created me for. And I got to keep my mind and my life focused on that. In fact, what I have to realize is the way I live here will determine how I'll live there. And it's not just about where I'll go for eternity. Of course, that's important. And if you have never received Christ as your Savior, you can make that decision today and you can determine where you will spend eternity. But guess what? There's more to it than just that. It's not just where you will spend eternity. It's how. Some of us are Christians and we think, well, I made it to, I made it to heaven, so I'm, you know, I'm good and whatever. But heaven's not going to be the same for everybody. 
And so what we have to realize is that the way I live now will affect the way my life will be in eternity. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9 says, So we make it our goal to please Him, whether at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the what? Everybody say this. Before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done what? While in the body, whether good or bad. Guess what? What we lived for on this this planet is all going to make a difference in how we live when we get to heaven in eternity. And here's the thing. It's important what people are going to say about us at the end of our lives. But something even more important than that is what is God going to say about us when we stand before him on that judgment day? If you want to know your purpose, you got to realize it all starts with God. You got to live your life thinking about what's the end going to be like. And you've got to focus yourself upon eternity. It's not just about here and now. It's about living for the things that are eternal. Amen. Some of you say, well, okay, that's good, Pastor. But, you know, I need you to spell it out for me. <laughs> like, I, tell me exactly what is my purpose. All right, I'll do it. I'll help you. All right, you ready for this? In fact, we see it in a prayer that Paul prays in the book of Ephesians. And he really gives us four things. This is what we've modeled our whole church around is these four things that are your purpose of life. And it's the purpose for really why we live or why we do what we do here at LifeGate. The first one is this. The first purpose of your life is that you'd know God. Everybody say, know God. You know God. In fact, this is what, this is what Paul says in, the, in Ephesians 1, 16. Look what he says. He says, I have not stopped praying and giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Savior, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may what? So that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I love the way it says it in the message. It says that you would have intelligence and discerning in knowing him. That your eyes would be focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is that he is calling you to do. Guess what, guys? The more you know God, the more you're going to know what it is he wants you to do. So here's the purpose of your life. Get to know God. Get to know His Word. Get in relationship with Him. Because the more you know Him, the more you're going to understand what it is that He wants you to do. So the first purpose is this. I just, I got to know God. And if you don't know Him, you can come to know Him today. And if you do know Him, guess what? You can know Him more. And the more you know Him, the more you're going to know what it is that He wants you specifically to do with your life. So that's the first priority of your life. In fact, that's the first priority of this church. This is, this is my prayer, not just Paul's prayer for you, but as a pastor, this is my prayer for you. My number one prayer for you is that you would come to know God because I know the more that you know him, the more you're going to know what it is that he wants you to do. In fact, this is why we have Sunday services. This is the place where we come together. We worship, we hear the word of God in a message so that we can come to know him personally. That's why I challenge you to make Make being in the house of God every Sunday, make it a priority in your life. And I know it's hard. And here's what happens. We get distracted, don't we? In fact, I know how it works. I've been doing this. I've been the pastor here for 11 years. Before that, I was a pastor of another church. I grew up as a pastor's kid. I know how it works. It's like clockwork. It happens every single year. August and September, we go back to school and everyone gets fired up. I'm going to be back in church and we're going to get it all going. And we're going to, you know, we're going to get back on track and focus our, our eyes on God's purpose for our life. And then what happens every year? October hits. 
You know what happens in October? Well, we get a little tired. You know what else happens? Kids start playing sports and band. In fact, I mean, it hits our family too. My daughter, she's sitting on the front row here today. Yesterday, she went to a band contest. Got, she left the house at 7 o'clock, didn't get home till after midnight last night. How many know that's the way it is? And you know what can happen sometimes? I know that's just life. It's life in the world that we live. But you know what can happen sometimes is we can go, well, I was at band all day yesterday, so I don't really need to go to church today. Let me tell you something, guys. I know I'm going to tell you it's probably not going to change anything, but I'm going to tell you anyway. If you don't make it a priority to be in church every week, guess what? How are you going to know what God wants you to do if you don't take the time to get to know Him? I know like three of you are amen, and the rest of you, you're doing it in your heart. I know you're amen in, in your heart. What's your purpose? Know God. Number two, what's, what's your purpose? Get free. Find Freedom. Everybody say freedom. Say it like Braveheart. Freedom. <laughs> freedom. Here's, here's the thing. All of us have stuff, don't we? That even, even when we get to know God, we still got stuff that, that holds us back. We got maybe it's anger or fear, addiction, lust, jealousy, pride, laziness, bad attitude, hurts from the past, whatever it is. And here's God's purpose for your life. That you get free from all of that kind of stuff. In fact, this is what it says. The prayer that Paul prays in verse 18. He said, I pray that your eyes would be focused and clear. In other words, he's saying, I want you to be free from all of the stuff that is, that is distracting you from the stuff that's really the most important. And this is your purpose, guys, to get to know God so that he can free you from all of that baggage and all of that junk so that your eyes can be focused and clear on the things that really matter the most in this life. Yes. That you get free, that you get healed. And you know where that happens? Most of the time, you know where it happens? It happens in relationships. It happens when we walk together. In fact, this is what the scripture says about it in James chapter 5 and 16. It says, therefore confess your sins to what? Everybody say these words. To each other. And pray for each other that you may be healed. Notice this. It doesn't say confess your sins to God that you may be healed. It says confess your sins to each other that you may be healed. And pray for each other that you may be healed. Some of you go, oh, that doesn't seem right. I'm supposed to confess my sin. No, you confess your sins to God to find, to find forgiveness. But when you share stuff with others that are like you in a family of believers, that's where the Bible says you find healing. When you come together and you openly bring your life out and you do life together, like we say around here, and you pray for one another, that's where the healing comes. So here's the purpose. The purpose is that I would get to know God. And then the purpose after that is I would get to know other people so that I could find the healing that he wants, the freedom that he wants to bring in our lives. And you know where that happens here at LifeGate? In a life group. In fact, we, we desire for every person at LifeGate to be in a life group. If you're not in one, go by the life wall and find one. Get plugged in. It's not too late to do that because that's where you're going to do this, this is the purpose of your life, to know God and to find freedom by knowing others. Number three, write this one down. So that you can discover your purpose. Now, it starts with God. It's his purpose. But guess what? God also has an individual and unique purpose that he designed you specifically to do. In fact, this is what we see in verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he what? To which he, he called you. Guess what? You're called. It's not just the preacher that's called. It's not just the pastor that's called. It's you that's called. And you are called to a specific 
purpose. God uniquely designed you for a purpose that he created you for. In fact, in Ephesians 2.10, it says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Every one of you, you have a gift and a calling. You have things in your life that God specifically put in you and designed you so that you could fit right into the body of Christ and use that for his body and his kingdom. If you don't know what that is, we want to help you. In fact, that's why we do Life Track here at LifeGate. It's the reason that every Sunday during the 1150 service, there's, it's four weeks. You just get four weekends. Starts in the first week of the month, but you don't have to start in, in the first week. You start anytime, week one, week two, week three, week four. Today is week two. And guess what? You get a chance to learn how to be a member of this body here. And you know what we're going to teach you in that class? If you haven't gone through it, we're going to teach you. We're going to help you figure out what are your spiritual gifts? What is your personality? What are some of the talents and some of the things that God has placed in your life so that you can fit into the body? So that number four, this is your fourth purpose, that you can make a difference. Everybody say make a difference that you can make a difference. Guess what, guys? God placed you on this planet, and it ain't about you. You know what it's about? It's about Him, and it's about others. It's, it's about making a difference in the lives of others. This is what Paul was saying in Ephesians uh, chapter, uh, chapter, two and verse, or chapter 4 and verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance, and His incomparable what? Power. Guess what? There's a power available for you. And what is that power? Why does God give us that power? He gives us that power so that we can use it to build his kingdom, to make a difference. In fact, Acts 1.8 says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can be a witness, so that you can use your life to make a difference in others. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more fulfilling than this, than knowing that my life made a difference in somebody else's life. Man, some of us, we think if I could just get more stuff, then that would be what fulfill me, fulfills me. And we get more stuff and we do more stuff and we're just as empty inside. And I'm telling you, it'll never fulfill you. But I'll tell you what will fulfill you, knowing that God used you to make a difference in someone else, knowing that somebody else is going to be in heaven because of you. That will bring fulfillment and purpose to your life. And if you're not finding that purpose, I'll tell you, we can help you get on a team here at the church. Find a place to serve. Find a place to use those gifts and those talents. I'll tell you this. In two weeks from today, we are beginning what is perhaps the most important series of the entire year. We're going to be casting vision for where God's taking us as a church. And I'm, I'm just challenging you to say, hey, in two weeks from today, when we kick off that series, I'm going to, I'm going to be here every week for that because I want to be involved in making a difference 